once again, everybody, to the eighth episode of the Stick and Puck Podcast. I'm Duncan Wigan, joined as always by Jack Church. Jack, say what's up to the people. What's up to the people? And uh, I guess before we get into everything, the Bruins lost in regulation. Jack, you want to talk a little bit about that? So first time this season that the Bruins have lost at home in regulation all year. First time this season the Bruins have been shut out all year. And I heard some Bruins fans were very concerned about that loss. It was 3 nothing to Seattle on Thursday. And I guess some of those concerns were alleviated with wins over Toronto and then earlier today, a 6 nothing win over Philadelphia. However, the Bruins looked bad against Seattle. And I know it's one game in 82, but... This was it was the first time all year where I thought the Bruins legitimately got outplayed. And while it's not concerning given the grand scope of the season, it's still honestly somewhat concerning that when you look at that Seattle Kraken team, look at the talent they have, we should be running them out of the building every night. I think I think you have a a legitimate gripe, but I don't like that you guys are concerned about the way your team's playing because what is what was that? You guys have five losses or four losses on the season, right? Five losses and four overtime losses, yeah. Right, right. You have five losses in regulation on the season, and you lost to a pretty good Seattle Kraken team. You lost to a Kraken team that is in all likelihood making the playoffs and – they have they have relatively decent decent players on their team. Uh, I wouldn't say their goaltending is spectacular. I think it's a little bit of an issue that you guys got shut out by the Kraken, especially at home getting shut out by the Kraken. Uh, who was in net? Was it Grubauer? I mean, this isn't. No, it wasn't Grubauer. Grubauer, mm-hmm. and then isn't Seattle Kraken's backup? It was Martin, Martin Jones. Jones. Martin Jones. Yeah. In that. So. Getting shut out by Martin Jones is kind of embarrassing, if I do say so myself. But yeah, like, I kind of is. There is there there is decent there is there are decent talent on that team, and they're kind of inexplicably good. They're kind of inexplicably good, like the Vegas Golden Knights were the first the first season. I think they finally turned that corner a little bit. And as a Penguins fan, it's frustrating to uh, see the Kraken being good because they do have. Uh, Jared McCann, who's absolutely popping off for the Kraken right now. He currently has 30 points in 39 games played, and 22 of those points are goals. And it's and it's not like the Penguins didn't protect him. They traded him to Toronto for, for pennies on the dollar, and then Toronto didn't protect him. And then he got picked up by the Kraken, and we didn't protect Tanev, and Tanev got picked up by the, by the Kraken, and Brandon Tanev was just a guy that I really liked on the team. So just seeing them do well is, is good, but I, I really don't like the fact that Jared McCann is popping off, especially because he used to be on our bottom six and the Penguins bottom six is absolutely atrocious right now. So I feel like that's the thing with Seattle. They took a bunch of guys who were just in bottom six roles on relatively good teams, took a bunch of guys who were bottom six, second, third defensive pairing, and then has sort of built it up where they don't have sort of one star player, but they're still being successful. Right. I mean, 
it's definitely like the, it's weird because it took them it took them a, a a full season to just just mesh and we all thought you know first season of the crack and they were really bad and we were all like oh my god this is what they should look like and then the next season they're all sort of just proving us wrong and again we're just still sitting here surprised like the Vegas Golden Knights didn't show us exactly the same thing when they um were introduced into the league yeah because i feel like a lot of fans and myself included looked at vegas said they went to the stanley cup final in their first season then almost expected a similar turn of events from seattle and that just isn't the norm it was i think a lot of us put unfair expectations on the seattle kraken in their first year and they didn't live up to those because they're drafting players when each NHL franchise is protecting 9, 10, 11 players. Right. And I guess, like, you're right. Like, it's not, it's not like, something that's to be expected. And it's, like, an anomaly that expansion teams are good. And I think it's, like, crazy that the Golden Knights were good right out of the gate and they've had sustained success. And as far as the Kraken goes, it's too early to tell whether this will be sustained success or not. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say with their goaltending and just that team, I think the team like right now is just catching lightning in a bottle. I think they're sort of like on the New Jersey Devils like level right now where they just have like this pretty good stretch and no one really knows why they're having that good stretch. But Will they have a sustained success over multiple seasons? Uh, it's it's yet to be seen. I, I do not know. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at Vegas, and they just kept adding pieces. They added Petrangelo. They added Jack Eichel. And they kept adding on to this team. And then last year missed the playoffs. This year they're doing much better first in their division right now. But mm-hmm. I just feel like, that the Vegas model is going to come crashing down and the Seattle model is going to be more sustainable long-term. Yeah. But if you're, if you're Vegas, like you're like, I wouldn't say this is like a Vegas expansion model. I think this is just a team trying to make a, just an all in push. And normally when teams try to make that all in push, it kind of comes crashing down and it's not exactly a, a Vegas model, but, yeah, you you're right about that. I do I do get the point. Mm-hmm. Just just because of the cap situation, mostly that Vegas has put themselves in long term. Right. Yeah. I think what I'm looking forward to and what I'm hoping for is Seattle plays Vegas in the playoffs, so there's a narrative and there's a reason to watch the Winter Classic where they face each other next year. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be good for the NHL. Yeah, I definitely think so, because they've definitely taken a chance putting some sort of non-traditional hockey markets in their premier right. event. They're going to be they're going to be going up against college football playoff games that mm-hmm. day. So it's definitely tough sledding already with the TV rating. Right, right. Well, what a lot of fans going into this season thought Seattle would be doing was contending at the bottom of the NHL standings to try to draft Connor Bedard. That hasn't been the case. Seattle's been doing very successful, but there have been a lot of teams, Columbus, Arizona, Chicago. We thought Philadelphia, but they went on a little run. 
winning mm-hmm. seven in the last eight going into Boston. Right. So a lot of NHL fans still really don't know who Connor Bedard is. And I didn't really believe all the hype. Mm. So in 2020, he gets drafted to the Regina Pats of the WHL, which is traditionally considered the hardest of the three junior hockey leagues in Canada to score in. And his first season, it was COVID. It was all messed up. Played 15 games, scored 28 points. Now, now that's pretty much already insane numbers Mm -hmm. to come into the NHL. He had the special status where he was allowed to enter the draft a year early, enter the CHL Mm -hmm. a year earlier. So he's a year younger than most people are, scoring 28 points in 15 games. And then he backs that up in 2021-22 with Regina again. Regina, by the way, not a good team. Didn't make the playoffs of the Mm -hmm. WHL. Still scores 100 points in 62 games. Mm Mm-hmm. Goes to the World Juniors. They had gotten postponed to August. The World Juniors, which is under 20. He is 17 at this point. 17. Yep. Got eight points in seven games. Mm-hmm. Coming into this season, he he was in the World Juniors again. Seven, set, Only played seven games. Scored 23 points for Team Canada when they won the gold medal at the World Junior Tournament. And then in the WHL. At, in 31 games, has 36 points, 41, 36 goals, 41 assists for a total of 77 points in 31 games, leading the WHL, even though he's on a team that's seventh place in the Eastern Conference in the WHL out of 12 teams. And he's leading in points over people who have played seven less games than him because he missed all that time to go to World Juniors. Connor Bedard is truly a generational talent. He's probably, he's easily the best prospect since McDavid. He might even be better than that. Now, granted, we don't know how he translates to the National Hockey League, and so much of it's based on development. But Connor Bedard, I feel like, is a complete game changer to any team he goes to. And I'd say outside of maybe Arizona could easily vault the team from completely taking to at least the edge of the playoffs, if not into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, so he, he currently has 10 goals in his last five games, which is impressive as, as all get out. It's, it's absolutely crazy. He's ranked number one by almost every professional scouting team in the world. So he, and again, like you said, he absolutely torched everybody in route to yet another World Junior Championship, uh, World Junior Gold for um, uh, Canada. And I think I think you're right. I think he definitely has uh, the ability to definitely catapult a team into being competitive. Uh, you mentioned Arizona. I don't think he makes Arizona competitive. And I think that's probably where he'll end up. And I think that's the worst scenario for him. But I'm pretty sure, like I texted you guys this in, in the group chat. But I I thought that Chicago and Arizona they're both gonna they're both gonna trade all of their most valuable pieces uh, at the deadline and just go for the tanks of all tanks because this is Connor Bedard is truly one of the best players since we've seen since McDavid and obviously we need to see how it translates into the NHL and he's 17. So there's still some cleaning up he needs to do in his game, obviously. And there is a learning curve with the NHL, but I just think that if Chicago, like if they 
get rid of all their pieces, and if Arizona gets rid of all their pieces, I think he's screwed if he ends up with either of those teams. Yeah, and the the NHL, for those unfamiliar, does have a draft lottery that you can only move up 10 slots. So you're looking at pretty much the bottom 11 teams having a shot with the further down you go, the better shot they have. Right now, Chicago's in last place, which would be disastrous for Connor Bedard. Next is Anaheim. I mean, he would be on a line, centering a line with Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry, which would be a good spot for him. Mm-hmm. But I still don't know if he makes that team competitive. The Ducks, I think, I think the Ducks are a one-line team, and if you get him and you put them on that line, they're still a one-line team. So yeah, I mm-hmm. don't think I yeah. don't think that really makes them competitive at all, and. I just I think the best place where he could end up, which is where I don't want him ending up, is Columbus. And mm-hmm. I think Columbus with Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Line. I thought they were going to be competitive this year, Columbus, or at least on the fringe of a playoff spot. And obviously that's not coming to fruition. I think I think he makes the Flyers better, but the Flyers obviously are not tanking anymore. And I think it's because Tortorella Tortorella, he whipped them into shape. He took away their iPads. No more iPads, yeah. Tortorella said. No more iPads. But I think the Blackhawks are doing the tank of all tanks right now. I saw something uh, where uh, they played the Kraken, I think it was a couple nights ago, and they allowed oh, yeah. um, they allowed six goals on seven shots. I mean, so that's just – that's that's stellar tanking numbers right there. That is mm-hmm. that is beautiful tanking numbers. So, I. I don't know where he ends up. He's going to be a game changer wherever he ends up. Just hopefully not Arizona or Chicago for his sake. If you'd like to go to the Chicago Blackhawks game tomorrow night against the Buffalo Sabres, you could go for $27. Plus airfare, plus hotel stay. Problem is you're still better off than going to a game in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. I mean – the Blackhawks are the Blackhawks are so bad, and I I, I mean I, I I knew they were bad, and then we beat them at we beat, and then the Penguins beat them in Chicago, and I was like, oh, they're really bad because we never beat them in Chicago. Yeah, um, the the one thing is, I feel like Connor Bedard going to Chicago would be disastrous, not only for Bedard as a player, but also because of the recent scandal in Chicago and because of all the media attention that brought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the general fan base wants Chicago to suffer, wants the Blackhawks to suffer because of that whole incident. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just the incident and the way they handled it was really bad and just all, all, all of that. It's not good. Mm-hmm. So if the draft lottery is rigged and I'm not saying it is, but there have been reports that it is. Mm-hmm. I think that that lessens the chance of Bedard going to Chicago. I think it lessens the chance of him going to Arizona because when's the last time Arizona's won a draft lottery, like for real? Like they never get like the first pick. And they've been tanking. They've been tanking for like since I've been alive. (laughs) (laughs) They've been tanking for so long. And that's just, I don't even remember the last time they've been competitive. And if it's, I mean, if it's rigged, he's not going to go to Arizona because the league does. I, I the league, it's weird. It's Bettman's baby, yet the league hates Arizona. It's crazy. Yeah, 
I was just like, Bettman might cream himself if the water gets to, goes to Arizona. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, I feel like also Montreal might be good for him. I know Montreal is still not great this year, but they mm. have Slavkovsky. They have Cole Caulfield if they re-sign him. They have Vic Suzuki. I feel like they have, they're starting to get like a young player base again. Yeah. Yeah, another thing that I wouldn't want Connor Bedard going to the Coyotes is because imagine playing in the WHL every day and then you go and you're like, yes, I'm finally in the show. I'm finally going to get drafted. And then you play at Mullet Arena every night. That would suck. That's like not – that's like uh, – is that more or less of a draw than he gets with the Pats? I mean, that's got to be like at least the same amount or like a little less because how much does Mullet Arena fit? Like 3500 I think I'm pretty sure it's five thousand. Okay, the the Mullet Arena fits five thousand, and how many, how many fans, how many fans do the Pats like drawing? Regina. Um, Pats. So the the Regina Pats are play in the Brant Center, which has a capacity of six thousand. Yeah, so their average attendance is four thousand five hundred. So you're almost there already. Their average attendance is forty five hundred. So you're basically going from getting the same amount of fans to see you to the same amount of fancy. And I just, I wouldn't like that for him. That would suck. Yeah. That, to be fair, I don't want any NHL players playing in Bullet Arena. Yeah. I mean, just I mean, the, they're, I mean, the Coyotes are definitely going to get rid of Chikrin and Chikrin's going to go to a good team and Vimelka, who's their goal goalie. He's been pretty good. And I, I guarantee they're going to trade him. I, I don't see how they, how they keep any of their valuable pieces. I mean, this isn't, this is an all in year for them an all in push for, for mm-hmm. Bernard. Bust yeah. for Bedard. I don't, honestly don't know what they're saying. There's normally like a saying. For Hard for Bedard is what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, and the, now to transition very smoothly, the Arizona Coyotes won't be here, but now to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Steve Dangles LFR on Saturday night was quite interesting. He seemed to get a little bit of PTSD from losing to the Bruins 4-3. I would too if I lose to the Bruins 4-3 literally every game for like an eternity, it feels like. Yeah, that seemed to be a pretty pretty soft spot for him. So um, the thing about the NHL playoffs is it works by division. So you have the Atlantic division who all plays each other and then the Mad. So Steve Dangle brought up this scenario. The Maple Leafs continue to do relatively well, mm-hmm. surpass Carolina, New Jersey. So they sit second. That would mean they sit second in the NHL, probably still 10 points behind Boston, right. second in the NHL. And Tampa continues to do well as well. But then they still have to play Tampa. And then their reward for if they finally win a playoff series is they get to play the Boston Bruins, who have had their number for the past 10 years mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So a long time ago, back when the dinosaurs were living in the year, it was 2013, the NHL had a playoff format where it was just the top eight teams in each conference. Top team played the eighth best team. Second team played the seventh best team, similar to the NBA, although they did have right. a seating. Right. Is that better? I do like the idea of reseeding when playing in the playoffs because it definitely gives like 
a reward for teams that play well and teams that play better than others. Cause I wouldn't want to play like, I wouldn't want to be the second best team. Um, and like Toronto's position, like going to play Tampa and then going to play Boston, like that, that sucks, especially cause they're a good team and they're better than some teams in the Metro. So yeah, I definitely get where he's coming from. But on the, on the other hand, it's not like, it's not like the Leafs can't beat them. I mean, they they literally were in the playoff series last year, and not only in it, they should have won that playoff series last year against the Lightning, and they should have won against the Bruins. I don't, I don't remember which year. I feel like both years. I feel like both years they've had you guys. And they just can't they just can't seem to close out playoff series. I don't think it's it's a playoff issue. I think it's I think it's the Leafs just can't win a series. Mm-hmm. Like for the life of them. Yeah. Well the comparison with the format would be to Pittsburgh Washington playing in the second round year after year after year after year. Right. I mean I guess, but like those series were even and the Penguins won when the penguin the penguins would win and the capitals would win each uh, the penguins what i think we met each other three times in the span of three seasons and they were good seasons and i was never upset when we played the capitals because they were good matchups and the proximity of me from dc so i could go see my teams play but i i mean i i guess from a capitals fan perspective like that would be annoying to go in and then lose to the penguins twice but then it's so it's so much sweeter when you finally win like when steve like when steve dangle and the leafs finally get over that hump and beat tampa or beat boston in the first round he's gonna feel just so elated when it when it happens but i do like the idea of of reseeding it's just that i feel like so for 2016 and 2017, Pittsburgh and Washington were the two best teams in the Eastern Conference and had to play each other in the second round. Right. Now, both times Pittsburgh won that series, and both mm-hmm. times it took them seven games to get through the conference finals against the seemingly inferior team from the Atlantic Division. Right. How, however, it does kind of leave a mark where you have the – I'm actually – pretty sure let me review this in one case they might have been two the two best teams yeah in um 2017 for example the washington and pittsburgh were the two best teams in hockey right that's and the two best teams in the entire league and they had to meet each other in the second round yeah now I, mean, I guess i'm not i'm not saying we should just see directly through the conferences because the travel for that would be insane however there does seem like there is a better way to do it, especially when the schedule is so much based on playing conference opponents and not really division focused. Yeah. I mean, I guess it it sucks, but like when we, when we played those series against the Penguins, when the Penguins and Caps played that series, played those series for those three seasons, I remember just talking to my friends about it and my, and my dad, and we're just like, whoever wins this series is going to go on and, and win the cup. I I thought, and that's what happened. 2016, the Penguins won. 2017, the Penguins won. We won the cup both times. 20, 2018, the Caps won, and they ended up winning the cup. I thought whoever won that series was going to end up winning the cup. And I just think 
if that would have been if those series would have been delayed, they would have been delayed to the ECF, and it would, the same outcome would have happened. The Penguins or the Capitals would have won, and would have mm-hmm. gone to the gone to the Cup. So I mean, I just think it's a lot of like, just like, okay, but like, I I understand you're mad about playing the Lightning and you're mad about playing the Bruins, but like. If the East, the East, the East is a gauntlet. You're not gonna get, you're not gonna get like a better matchup. Like the Hurricanes, or anybody you play in the first round is gonna be hard. There's nobody that really gets in in the Eastern Conference that's a cupcake team. There's not really a team that gets in. I'm like, you're 100% gonna lose. Every you go down, you go down the list, especially last year, Penguins, Penguins, Rangers. That was a toss up. Capitals, Panthers. That was a toss up. Um, Lightning, Lightning. Toronto, that was a toss-up. I feel like every matchup, every matchup is just is just competitive. I don't think, like, because what happens if like one year it happens and the Toronto has to play Carolina and they lose, and then Steve's complaining about reseeding, or the fans are going to be complaining about reseeding, like, oh, we could have beaten Tampa this year, we could have beaten Boston this year. So I think it's just a a lose lose situation for the NHL. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the only thing is to give the the only sort of way around it would be to give Toronto the LA Kings in the first round, but that's never going to happen. Yeah, I mean the the Leafs are gonna the Leafs the Leafs. I get it. Okay, you're mad. You can't win a playoff series, but the fact that you can't win a you not winning a playoff series isn't based on seeding. It's just you have an inability to win playoff series, and I just think like like Steve is like. Oh, if we win this round, then we have to beat beat this team. Like, focus on winning the first round first. Don't be bitching about the second round when your team hasn't gotten to the second round since fucking World War Two. Like, like shut up. Like, just suck it up. Everyone has to play. Everyone, everyone has to play who they don't want to play in the playoffs. I, if the Penguins make the playoffs, I don't want to play the best team, but that's what's going to have to happen because the Penguins right now are playing like shit. But that's neither here nor there yeah i mean i kind of want to play pittsburgh as it is <laughs> but dude l- listen i feel like uh, i feel like the penguins and bruins would be a good series i feel like i feel like we've played you got the i feel like we haven't been outplayed by you guys like obviously we've lost both times but i feel like the penguins definitely had chances to win the win those games and especially at the winter classic. I feel like the winter classic was an even game until the third period. And we were just a half a second late tying it. Yeah. And then in the first game, you had a three goal lead. Yeah. And the first, yeah. Uh, The only team right now that I don't want the penguins to play is Carolina because we can't beat Carolina for shit. They swept us. I think we lost to them. Shit. Did we play them last night? We must have played them last night because I turned that John off. There was no way I was watching that. But uh, the Penguins right now, man, they're, it's depressing. It's depressing stuff what's going on. You you played them on Saturday night, lost two to one. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was a couple nights ago. Yeah. But um, so the All-Star game, everyone's favorite game. Mm-hmm. Do you care about the All-Star game, first of all? Uh, no, I don't care about the all-star game at all. Um, I mean, I'm excited to see what kind of chaos the fan voting is going to create. Like, 
I don't think it's like I kind of want to see like a John Scott situation again, but that's that's not going to happen. I, yeah. I tweeted out. They were like, tweets are votes. So I was like, oh, I want to see Brian Dumoulin in the All-Star game. You know, <laughs> Brian Dumoulin has absolutely been trashed this season. So I'm like, Brian Dumoulin for the All-Star game. But I, I don't really like the fact that – I mean, I get the concept. I don't like the fact that every team gets a representative. because Yeah, I don't either. You really Kevin don't Hayes end should up, not be in the All-Star team. don't end up with an All-Star team, in my opinion. Like, just – Try to get a team full of players like everyone wants to see. Who the fuck is going to the All-Star game for goddamn Seth Jones? I don't care if Seth Jones is having a good season for the Blackhawks. Who's going to see Seth Jones? Like, Just just give me the players I want to see. Give me Crosby. Give me Patrick Kane. Give me Taze. Uh, even if they're not having good seasons, I just want to see, like, it's – I get the con- – like, the NHL has to decide what they want by an All-Star game. Do you want – do you want – a do you want just a bunch of like really good players are having good who are having a good seasons this season, or do you want to do you want to have like recognizable like players that fans want to go and see? And I just don't see how like like who wants to like who's going for a no name off the Seattle Kraken like like nobody, bro. Just like give me a player I want to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely tuning in to see Kevin Hayes block some shots from John Tortorella. Yeah, that's definitely why uh, I want to yeah, tune in. Yeah, the Flyers game. getting an All Star game is the Flyers getting an All Star representative is insane. I think another issue that I have is is Troy Terry got the uh, vote for the Ducks. Like he he was the first guy to be revealed uh, um, for the All Star team, and I'm just like Troy Terry. Why I get that Troy Terry is having a better season than Zegris, but you're not gonna have the guy who's on the fucking cover of NHL 23 at the fucking All Star game. You're not gonna have Trevor Zegris at the All Star game. Literally, the only person that anyone knows on the Ducks at the All Star game is is complete insanity to me. Yeah, and the problem is the way people. I'm assuming people in Canada will vote way more than fans of the Anaheim Ducks. So Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver will probably get. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, and, and then and then Zebras isn't gonna get in. Yeah, they're gonna see. Uh, they're gonna vote for a bunch of fucking Canadian players, and then they're not gonna make the trek to wherever it is. Where is it? It's like Sunrise, the logo Florida. has. Okay, yeah, I, I thought it was Florida because the logo had like palm trees, but I wasn't like a thousand percent where it was. But yeah, like Calgary and Edmonton are gonna get like a bunch of people in there, and like who's gonna go from Calgary and Edmonton to Florida? Like nobody. So I mean, yeah. I don't know. And then the NHL All Star format is just boring. They don't like. Uh, it's just boring. It's just boring to me. I I I think the skills competition is fun to watch. I think it's fun to watch because I, I don't know. But like what I I propose, this is never gonna happen. But it would make it would definitely make me watch the All Star game. So there's a three on three tournament, right? That's that's right. the kind of that's kind of the okay. We do a three on we do a three on three tournament. Everyone gets. With all 32 teams, okay, all 32 teams get to send three players plus a goalie, so four players to the All-Star game, and it's a round-robin tournament by how everyone's, like, lined up in the standings right now, and so, like, so, like, the Penguins would play someone on the West Coast or blah, 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 and then you all bring them in, and it's a round-robin, and it's, like, double elimination, and then the winner of the tournament gets the uh, first overall draft pick. Yeah. No, that would actually be fun if the yeah, that's that's it. I would no no if if we did that with the sixteen teams who didn't make the playoffs and then made that the draft lottery. 
Yeah. Or do yeah. yeah. Make the All Star get make the All Star game that. And also like it, I think it would just be I think that'd be way more interesting than what they have going on right now. It's never gonna happen, but that would be way more exciting to watch than just the boring stuff they have now for like nothing. Like what like the reward is like nothing. Like or at least make the reward like at least make the reward like interesting for me to watch. Like the it's not it's not that the case anymore but the MLB All-Star game used to be the division that won the division that won the MLB All-Star game got got um home field advantage in the World Series. So like if it was something like that, if it was something that was meaningful mm-hmm. then like East versus West, and then the winner gets home home ice advantage in the Stanley Cup Finals or something like that. But I mean, it's just low level, just boring, just the players not really caring, and it's like even less fun to watch the All Star Game knowing that half the players don't want to be there. Like Crosby, mm-hmm. I know Crosby, I know doesn't want to be there. Um, Ovechkin probably going to eat the suspension to not be there. Oh yeah, Ovechkin like definitely. Ovechkin definitely doesn't want to be there. I mean, and who who wants who blame who can blame them? Who wants to work on their week off, like their only week off, besides that one like designated week off they get in the schedule um, every so off every every season. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I just don't watch it because like. It just doesn't really matter to me. Like, there's nothing of value that I get out of it. And, like, the Penguins posted something that was, like, vote Malkin in the All-Star game. And Malkin underneath it was, like, vote Chad, as in, like, vote Chad Ruedel to the All-Star game. (laughs) So, like, if the NHL would do something, like, let the fans actually vote who we, like, vote. Like, because everyone on Twitter is, like, I want to vote this guy in. This guy completely doesn't deserve to be in the All-Star game. But for the memes, let's put him in the All-Star game. If there was – if the NHL actually allowed that, if the NHL didn't fucking blackball John Scott, like, that one year where he <laughs> yeah. made it in off of, a, off of a fan vote, like, that'd be fun. But, like, they – it's a fan vote, but they, like, they carefully craft it. So it's players that, like, they want to see. So, like, the Penguins, I think, only have, like, a couple options. I think it's, like, Malkin or Raquel. Letang might be an option. Gensel is an option. So it's just like limited. And I think that's kind of boring. Yeah. The NHL, of course, I don't know if you watched last year, but last year they had an offside review in the All-Star game, Mm -hmm. which is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It's just like that one time where Ed Hockley threw a fucking pass (laughs) interference penalty in the Pro Bowl. Like, what are you doing, bro? It's just just because he wanted to get on TV. That's the only reason. Like, yes, there are penalties in the Pro Bowl. I was like, no, there's not, bro. Just, just let it, just let it play out. It literally doesn't matter. And uh, do the play? The players must get a bonus if they win, right? They must get some sort of cash incentive if they win, right? There probably is, but right. The N- the NHL and publicity aren't exactly words that go together, so I have like, no idea what it is. I just think, like, what would be something that the NHL could do to, like, draw interest? Like, what is, the, what is like, a reward that would be, like, interesting for the fans? And I thought, like, my, my idea was a good idea, but it's not going to happen because that would just yeah. that would just result in chaos. But I think it would be home like, ice in the cup final. That doesn't seem like a good idea. I mean I mean the MLB did the MLB did the thing with the All-Star game, like I said, where the winner of the All-Star game where the winner of the All-Star game got home field advantage and 
Like that's not a thing anymore. Like they stopped that, I think a couple seasons ago, but I just. Like if the East and West played and like home ice advantage, home ice advantage would just be like who gets home ice in game one and game seven. But in the NHL, I feel like home, home, home ice advantage is definitely more important than other sports. But I just, until you come up with like something like creative enough or like a solution to like, like a reason why I'd want to watch. Like I just, I just, and they don't play at full speed either. So it's just, it's just all around boring to watch. Yeah, I get it. All right. Today, the day we're recording, we're recording this on Monday, which is Martin Luther King Day. Mm-hmm. Um, so last year in January, I don't th- it wasn't exactly Martin Luther King Day, but it was around there. Will, Willie Overy got his number 22 retired of the Boston mm-hmm. Bruins. He was the one who broke the color barrier in the NHL. Right. Done a lot of good work for diversity as well, but I feel like I just look at this league and I know it's because of the demographics of Northern Europe and Canada and the Northern United States, but I just look at this league and I just, especially compared to say baseball, basketball, football, mm-hmm. there's a serious lack of diversity within the game. Yeah, I think just like as far as diversity goes in hockey, it's pretty slim to none. 86% of the employees are white. Uh, the NHL also doesn't have a great track record when it comes to dealing with sensitive racial issues. Remember in 2020 during the COVID bubble after George Floyd died, the NBA canceled games, the MLB canceled games, pretty sure the MLS canceled games, and the NHL just kept playing. And everyone was wondering why this was why this was happening. and it felt weird, but I, I think hockey doesn't have, like, hockey, like, I wouldn't say, it, hockey's not diverse. I would say there are people of color playing in the NHL, which is which is good, obviously. Um, but they don't have a multitude of different people playing because the sport's just not accessible. Like, it's accessible to rich, white, rich, white, affluent northern families that's why everyone in minnesota plays that's why a lot of people in mass play it that's why a lot of people in new, upstate new york play it because that's where that's where rich white people and if it didn't if the nhl didn't if it didn't cost millions of dollars to play like or several and this is not a knock on hockey this well the fact that it's not accessible is a knock on hockey the the fact that it's that it's so expensive to play and it's so time consuming. I remember having a fair amount of friends in elementary school who played hockey and they would be on the roads at at, at tourneys with the travel team for two weeks on end while everyone else was at school. So it's just, it's just not an accessible sport. Uh, and I think the NHL just has to work on making it accessible. And the reason why other sports are diverse is because it, they are accessible. Basketball, all you need is a basketball, and you can run out on the playground, and you can play basketball. Football, the same thing. Soccer, same thing. Sure, it might cost you like 100 ish dollars or $50 to join like 
a rec league so you can like hone in on those skills, but that's still way less money than equipment, time, personal, personal instructors and, and all of that stuff. So, I mean, uh, I feel like diversity will continue to grow. I think hockey is trying to make, I think hockey or the NHL at least is trying to make the game accessible, or at least they've, they run ads where it looks like they're trying to make the game accessible. Yeah, the the thing for me is it's it it's just it's prohibitively expensive for a lot of people. I mean, I yes. played I played hockey until the third grade until practice became an every night thing, and it was three games a weekend, including travel to a bunch of places, and then I stopped playing hockey, and I still sort of played town basketball because. Town basketball, believe it or not, is a lot more excessive, is a lot more accessible rather than hockey, where you have to travel two hours to play in a tournament and stay over and all that other crap. Now, I was shit at basketball and shit at hockey. So I never ascended to a level where that time commitment was worth it. But the time and the money it takes. And the other thing is, if you're out with your friends playing basketball a couple times a week, again, inexpensive, just shooting around with your friends, three on three, whatever, you're much more likely to say, oh, there's a basketball game on TV. I'm going to watch that because I play and I do. And with hockey, you don't have that. And then you don't build up that fan base, build up the popularity. And then the money comes in and then it becomes more accessible. Yeah, and I think I think another another reason why there's a lack of diversity in hockey, and, and this is maybe wrongfully or rightfully so, a lot of people think the 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 people who watch hockey or the the fans of hockey tend to lean more to the right and are white m- older males, and I think it's it's rightfully and and wrongfully. So I mean, there's a lot. There's been a lot of instances of of players of color in the NHL being discriminated against, and the only two issues that come off, the only two like that come off the top of my dome right now are Devontae Smith Pelly um, getting called racial slurs at the Blackhawks game, and then Joe Ward when he beat the Bruins in that playoff series in overtime, all those fans sent him like death threats and they were calling him all these racial slurs over Facebook. And I just think like that isn't conducive to an environment that people want to go and sit in, especially like people of color. Like the, I've like the majority of games I go to like hockey games, it's just, it's, it's all like white people. Yeah. And then, I mean, the other thing is the recent sort of big incident, the Mitchell Miller thing, was a hockey player being racist and abusive and all of that. And I know that isn't exactly entirely based on hockey, but that still contributes to the overall theme. Yeah, I just think there's like this stigma and hockey kind of needs to break that stigma, but... I just I just don't see how like they they break it. Uh, I mean they can break it if they would handle things properly, but I just feel like the NHL never 
the NHL has this weird inability to, to handle issues properly. It's just like I, I felt like the even even after the NHL canceled games during the COVID bubble and George Floyd and they had like the NBA had the NBA the day they resumed games they had this thing where where they went out and they had a bunch of players say stuff before the game started and they all did all of that stuff and I just felt like when the NHL did it that it felt so half-assed like it felt like a PR move and it felt like a PR move because all the players out there are white and a lot of them are Trump supporters there are there are a fair amount of NHL players that are Trump supporters and Republicans, and yeah, you and for God's that they were out yeah. there and uncomfortable. Yeah, and Alex Ovechkin in his Instagram bio still has a picture with Vladimir Putin. Like, yeah, the, it's just the only t- the only time it's felt genuine is in one of the first games, if not the first game after COVID. It was Minnesota against Edmonton, and Matt Dumba of the Minnesota Wild gave like said some words i don't remember exactly what he said but it was probably based on sort of racial inequality mm-hmm. then took a knee during the national anthem does anybody else no like I that's just... a perfect example where you can rally behind a player rally behind a cause and i just don't get it i just feel like the nhl is just always like it's always like so just sort of out of touch like you're doing the Mm -hmm. right thing but it feels like a pr move like when they did that stuff for george floyd like that felt like a pr move it Mm -hmm. felt like a oh shit we should have canceled games like every other major team like every other major um association mlb and nba did and they just didn't it just didn't do it and yeah i just i don't see how they like and it's just not even like a, it's not even like a black and white issue like it's just a diversity issue just across the board like whenever the nhl does like like nights for inclusion for the lgbtq community like just the twitter replies are just it's all just vitriol in, in the comment yeah, sections yeah. being like don't push my lifestyle on like dog like like it's just like acceptance it's just like an inclusion thing like you don't have the same gripes over military night like you don't have the same gripes over any other night it's just like any other night hockey is for everybody and it was just today that news came out of and i know this isn't a big player but a player for peroya in the southern professional hockey league got cut from his team because of some comments he made on Twitter where he was basically being extremely homophobic and extremely misogynistic as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just example after example after example after example of people who can't realize that, one, if you have stupid shit to say, keep it to yourself, and two, that, like, Hockey should be for everyone. It should be available. Just because you identify as XYZ doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to play hockey. I just think it's because NHL just has like, it's kind of just like a boys club, mm-hmm. rich white people 
preppy sort of that sort of that culture around it and i unless you make unless you make the game more accessible that culture is not going to be is not going to be broken mm-hmm. yeah all right so now making the transition over to our game pick segment i went four and one last week you went three one and one if I had gone with my gut and taken New Jersey over Carolina, I would have been 5-0, and but I didn't. But I didn't. So we start with a game that's tonight. The Ottawa Senators going to the Enterprise Center to face the St. Louis Blues. And, Duncan, who do you like? Uh, I think the Blues just, like, confuse me. I feel like they shouldn't be as bad as they are. Uh, same with the Senators. The Senators also shouldn't be as bad as they are, but they're both kind of just mediocre, just kind of like teetering along right now. Uh, right now, the Blues are in a little bit of a heater. They won three out of their last five, including uh, a win over the Maple Leafs. So I guess I'm going to take the Blues in this one, though I, I might regret it because it's this game is a bit of a toss-up for me. Yeah, I I agree with it being a toss-up. This is I'm I'm picking Ottawa mostly because of my personal hatred for Jordan Bennington, mm-hmm. not only as a goaltender but as a human being. Um, Tim Stutzel's had four goals in his last five. Um, I just I think Ottawa has the better offensive talent as well, and I think they have the ability to frustrate Jordan Bennington, and then he'll do something stupid, and that'll be that. Mm-hmm. All right, Wednesday night. TNT national broadcast, the Boston Bruins head to the big apple face, the New York Islanders. It's a new arena. I have been to Beaumont park, but I haven't been in the arena, so I can't tell you how it is. Yeah. I mean, uh, not a lot of analysis I think is necessary for this one. I think it's, it's Boston is far and away the better team. Uh, they all, they never lose. So I'll take Boston. Yeah. Um, I think the better chance for Boston to lose is on Thursday against the Rangers mm. than it is on Wednesday. I We just put up six on Philadelphia. I don't see Boston losing this game. And then Thursday night in Edmonton, it's on ESPN. I haven't seen a press release for who's calling it, but I know there's a certain person that calls games for ESPN that's based in Western Canada that we're not exactly fond of. But I'll just leave it at that. It's Tampa Bay at Edmonton. Yeah, so Edmonton's Edmonton's also on a little bit of streak, but they just need to improve all around because minus the first line, there isn't like anybody else on that team that's putting up numbers. I saw somewhere that 77% of the goals are coming with McDavid and Drysaddle on the ice, which is just mm-hmm. no. That's 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 awful. No. Like that's not a winning formula, especially in the playoffs. It's it's not sustainable. So I think the Lightning are the better team all around. So I think I'm just going to stick with the Lightning on this one. Yeah, I feel like the Lightning are in a position where they're kind of not really grabbing the attention of everyone else, despite putting together a pretty good season. I mean, mm-hmm. they're third in the Atlantic Division. They're probably going to stay third in the Atlantic Division, but... Kucherov and Stamkos have been doing well. Vasilevsky has a 917 save percentage on the year, which is a little down from Murray's bend. But it's still it's still a good save percentage. Um, I'm going to 
take Tampa as well, just because I worry about Edmonton being a one-line team. Mm. All right, on to Friday night. Your Pittsburgh Penguins host those Ottawa Senators we were talking about. Mm. Pittsburgh, actually, I'll just let you explain it. Uh, well, the Penguins fucking suck right now. Um, we lost. Uh, we lost. Um, shit. We lost Jari to, due to injury, and you know, fucking Sullivan's keeping that shit on the hush hush. He hasn't really told a lot of people, so we don't know if he's out long term or not. We got DeSmith and Net, who is just an absolute sieve. Um, our bottom six is, aren't producing at all. You know, we're finally calling some people up from WBS. Uh, Drew O'Connor putting the puck in the net, um, which is good, and he definitely deserves to have more minutes. And they're like, I just I don't know exactly. We called up Jonathan Gruden, I think, and he's going to play tonight against the Ducks on the line with Kapanen and Carter. And I think Heinen's going to be out, which I think is a move that we needed to make because Heinen's just not really producing right now. Um, I just think all around, like, we could be better if, you know, just our bottom six was producing. And I just, I'm kind of, like, just thinking right now if we still had, like, GMJR, if we still had, like, if we still had Rutherford instead of Hextall, I'm, like, just honestly just wondering how many moves gmjr would have made by now like he would have made like eight moves already and they would have all just blown up in our face but at least they would have been like sort of short-term fixes like i remember one time gmjr like he did like this trade for like eric goodbranson i was like dude that is the stupidest thing ever and of course it blew up in our face and the trade for jack johnson that also blew up in our face but it's just like short-term fixes and i just Right now, I think this team just needs a solid – just anybody to produce on the bottom six because absolutely nobody – we got we got Jeff Carter who's a fucking fossil on the bottom six, and he's not producing. It's just like our entire team is like – just like belongs in a retirement home, obviously. And like I remember uh, – the Smith let in three goals against – oh, I can't remember. I can't remember the team we were playing. Uh, I think it was Winnipeg. I think it was I think it was Winnipeg. But he let in three goals against Winnipeg and we pulled him and we put Tokarski in and Tokarski balled out. And I wanna see Tokarski in net. Like I know he lost I know he lost his next start, but I just I didn't like I just felt like that loss wasn't on him. And as far as like Ottawa and Pittsburgh go on Friday, like the Penguins have been able to beat teams that like aren't that great. Like we've beaten we've beaten the Coyotes on this streak, like this little losing skid that we're on, and we beat we beat the Coyotes. So I think we'll be able to beat Ottawa, especially because that game's at home. If that game was in Ottawa, yeah. I'd probably be thinking of something different. Mm-hmm. Well, you play in Ottawa on Wednesday, so but we're picking the game in Pittsburgh. So I think that. With Anaheim tonight and then a visit to Ottawa on Wednesday, this is an opportunity for Pittsburgh to potentially build some momentum, mm-hmm. which is something that you haven't been able to do at least since Christmas, if not further back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with the place you are in the standings, this is a time where you have to be playing your best hockey to be get momentum going, get back mm-hmm. into the playoffs. Right now you're in that first spot out. Mm-hmm. So I 
I think Pittsburgh's able to win this game on Friday. However, the next game we're picking Sunday, Pittsburgh at New Jersey, I'm less confident in. Yeah, so the Penguins are shit in afternoon games. Um, really not good at all. Uh, we haven't been able to beat mid opponents, and honestly, how we look in these next couple of games might obviously skew what what I'm about to pick. But I feel like how we play against the Ducks tonight is definitely going to inform how I should have picked tonight. But obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, so the Penguins have been unable to beat mid opponents. We're bad in Sunday afternoon games. We're going to New Jersey. The Penguins always seem to have a pretty tough time in New Jersey. So I think I'm going to take the Devils in this one. Yeah. Um, so last week in New Jersey, Carolina, I picked Carolina and New Jersey won. Um, because New Jersey – because Nico Heischer probably listened to this podcast, said, fuck you, I'm going to go beat Carolina. So that happened. Um this game, I'm going to pick New Jersey as well because I just think that on home ice that New Jersey is very strong. I think that they've figured out whatever they needed to figure out when they were on that little skid. They've corrected back to course. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that New Jersey could get some momentum going and potentially take over Carolina's spot of the best team in the Metropolitan Division right now. So I think for those reasons, New Jersey's able to get it done on Sunday. All right. So, guys, that's uh, that's all we have for today. Um, I'm going to say bye, and unless Jack wants to say something, I'll let him say bye. All right. Well, um, the Bruins – just one more thing on the Bruins. Pavel Zaka signed a four-year $19 million extension on Saturday night, and then – got three points. Actually, it might have been four points. Actually, I'm pretty... No, it was three points today against Philadelphia. So imagine what David Pasternak can do in the game after you extend him. You know what? I think we should try it. I think we should extend David Pasternak and see how he does. That's all I have for Episode 8, Stick and Puck Podcast. We'll see you next time. All right, guys. Thanks.